chapter four of the pinafore picture book the story of h m s pinafore by w s gilbert this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four it was night and a beautiful crescent moon was shining over the placid blue waters of portsmouth harbour all the hammocks had been taken from the receptacles on deck called hammock nettings in which they were kept during the day carried below and hung up from hooks in the beams of the lower decks the sailors who were not required on deck were supposed to be fast asleep in them but i'm afraid they slept with one eye open because it would soon be time for them to escape secretly from the ship in order to accompany rafe rackstraw and the beautiful josephine to portsmouth town to be married josephine did not go to bed at all but was busily occupied in packing up a few indispensable necessaries not forgetting her pasteboard nose in a small handbag and in writing an affectionate farewell letter to her kind papa now i want it to be distinctly understood that josephine was very much to be blamed for the step she was about to take in the first place a young lady should under no circumstances fall in love with a young man greatly beneath her in social rank and in the second place no young lady should ever take such an important step as getting married without her papa's express approval in this case josephine had distinctly promised her papa that she would never under any circumstances let rafe rackstraw know even that she had fallen in love with him whereas here she was actually preparing to leave the ship with him secretly in order that they might be married it is true that it is some excuse for her that she revealed her affection for rafe as the only means of preventing him from killing himself but having done that she should have gone to her papa without a moment's delay and explained to him the dreadful circumstances under which she had felt bound to disclose her secret captain corcoran had shown himself to be a most affectionate and sympathetic father and he would no doubt have made every allowance for the distressing situation in which she found herself he might even have gone so far and i think he would as to have provided masters for rafe who would have taught him to spell and dance drink soup without gobbling eat peas with a fork play bridge and in short make him fit to take his place creditably among ladies and gentlemen poor captain corcoran had also been greatly worried by the events of the day he had been severely rebuked by sir joseph in the presence of his crew for not having said if you please when he gave them an order he had been greatly upset by his daughter's determination to decline sir joseph's handsome offer and also by her short and snappish replies to sir joseph's pretty speeches at dinner that evening and to crown everything sir joseph had threatened to have him placed under arrest and tried by court-martial because he did not rebuke josephine for her rudeness to him at dinner of course if the first lord of the admiralty had known anything whatever about the navy he would have been aware that no court-martial would have punished captain corcoran for his daughter's rudeness but he knew nothing at all about the navy having as we know been brought up in a solicitor's office so instead of going to bed at his usual hour captain corcoran brought his banjo on deck and began to sing to the moon as sentimental people will do who find themselves in such low spirits that they cannot sleep 
he had written and composed the song in his cabin after sir joseph had retired to rest and when he had practised it until he knew it by heart he came up on deck to sing it the moon was behind a cloud at the time but as soon as she became aware that a gentleman was going to sing to her she politely blew the cloud aside and listened to hear what he had to say this was the pretty song that he sang fair moon to thee i sing bright regent of the heavens say why is everything either at sixes or sevens i have lived hitherto free from the breath of slander beloved by all my crew a really popular commander but now my kindly crew rebel my daughter to a tar is partial sir joseph storms and sad to tell he threatens a court-martial fair moon to thee i sing bright regent of the heavens say why is everything either at sixes or at sevens the moon not being in the position to give him the required information withdrew behind her cloud and was seen no more captain corcoran had no idea that any one except the moon was listening to him as he sang but in point of fact little buttercup who was concealed by the mizzenmast had heard his beautiful light baritone voice and her attention was arrested by the charm of the dainty melody now i must tell you something about little buttercup who had had a very adventurous career at the time of my story she was a buxom well-preserved person about sixty-five years of age she had known captain corcoran all his life and when he was a handsome young lieutenant of twenty-five i am sorry to say she fell hopelessly in love with him although the old goose was at least twenty years older than he lieutenant corcoran as he was then commanded a little gunboat called the hot cross bun and i should explain that a gunboat in those days was a very small vessel rigged something like a miniature ship and was armed with one two or three big guns lieutenant corcoran was then in the very flower of manly beauty and all the young ladies of portsmouth were quite as much in love with him as little buttercup was of course lieutenant corcoran scarcely noticed little buttercup she used to wash for the ship and he only saw her now and then when she brought his linen aboard at length the hot cross bun was ordered to make ready to go to sea and little buttercup who couldn't bear the thought that she might never see him again dressed herself in sailor's clothes and presented herself on board as a not very young man who wanted to go to sea captain corcoran who as a matter of course did not recognize her in this disguise accepted her as a member of his crew and when the hot cross bun sailed little buttercup sailed with it she was extremely clumsy as a sailor but the kind-hearted lieutenant who couldn't bear to hurt anybody's feelings overlooked her awkwardness in consideration of the eager alacrity with which she endeavored however unsuccessfully to obey all his commands indeed the crew generally were much more remarkable for gentle politeness and cheerful goodwill than for mere pulling and hauling they were without exception most amiable and well-behaved young persons with beautiful complexions very dainty white hands small delicate waists and a great quantity of carefully dressed back hair lieutenant corcoran was bound to admit that as sailor men they were not everything that could be desired 
being all very seasick when it was not quite calm but in his opinion they more than compensated for this drawback by their singularly polite and refined demeanour when they were quite well one day and it was a terrible day for little buttercup he went on shore for a couple of hours and returned with a beautiful young lady whom he presented to his crew as his newly wedded wife upon which to his intense discomfiture all the crew gave a gurgle and fell down in so many separate fainting fits and he then discovered that without a single exception they were portsmouth maidens who had dearly loved him and who had taken the very steps that little buttercup herself had taken in order that they might not be separated from their adored lieutenant of course they were all discharged at once his bride insisted on that and little buttercup did not see him again for twenty long years by this time he had been promoted to be captain of the pinafore his wife had died and he was left a widower with one daughter the beautiful josephine who is the heroine of my story from the moment that little buttercup learnt that lieutenant corcoran was a married man she determined as a matter of course to think of him no more and by a tremendous effort she succeeded in banishing him altogether from her mind but now that he was a widower and again free to marry all her old affection revived by this time as you know she was a bumboat woman and in that capacity she enjoyed many opportunities of seeing and talking to captain corcoran who hadn't the remotest idea that she had formerly been one of the ladylike crew of the hot cross bun and little buttercup never mentioned the circumstance as to tell the plain truth she was not particularly proud of it as the captain sang his song little buttercup wondered what was the matter with him how sweetly he carols forth his melody to the listening moon said she to herself of whom is he thinking of some high-born beauty it may be who is poor little buttercup that she should expect his thoughts to dwell on one so lowly ah little buttercup said captain corcoran as he caught sight of her still on board that is not quite right little one all ladies are requested to go on shore at dusk true dear captain she replied i tried to go but the recollection of your pale and sad face seemed to chain me to the ship i would fain see you smile before i leave i will try said he he endeavoured to smile but it was little more than a creaky mechanical grin not good enough captain replied little buttercup don't be faint-hearted try again because i want to go home again he tried to smile but without success ah little buttercup said he i fear it will be long before i recover my accustomed cheerfulness for misfortunes crowd upon me and all my old friends seem to have turned against me do not say all dear captain exclaimed little buttercup that were unjust to one at least true said captain corcoran for you are staunch to me good old buttercup at this point poor little buttercup's resolution gave way with a bitter cry she knelt at his feet and sobbed loudly as she kissed his hand little buttercup said captain corcoran it would be affectation to pretend that i do not understand your meaning i am touched to the heart by your innocent regard for me and were we differently situated i think i could have returned it 
as it is i regret to say that i can be nothing to you but a friend little buttercup who always knew more about people than anybody else knew a good deal of captain corcoran's history as will presently appear he was not really captain corcoran and she knew it more than that she knew who he really was but it did not suit her to tell him just then i believe that this mysterious little buttercup was able to prove from the hidden depths of her miscellaneous information that every human being alive was somebody else and that no human being alive was what people really supposed them to be fortunately she only revealed her knowledge bit by bit as it suited her but it is terrible to think what an amount of confusion she might have created in highly respectable families if she had chosen to disclose all she knew at once knowing who captain corcoran was and how little reason he really had to plume himself on his superior position as a captain in the navy little buttercup's naturally hasty temper began to simmer the gypsy blood that ran in her veins gave her a curious power of prophesying backwards i mean that she could foretell what you were and remember what you will be which is quite unlike the usual kind of fortune-telling that comes of crossing a gypsy's hand with a sixpence she also possessed a remarkable power of expressing herself in rhyme without ever having to hunt for the last words of her lines which gave a peculiar force and emphasis to her words and convinced everybody that what she said was supernatural and consequently true so getting gradually more and more angry with captain corcoran for despising her as she called it though he was the last person in the world to despise anybody she summoned her remarkable rhyming ability to her aid in the following utterances things are seldom what they seem said she skim milk masquerades as cream high lows pass as patent leathers jackdaws struck in peacock's feathers rhyming is rather infectious so captain corcoran catching the disease replied uh, rather puzzled very true so they do it was an easy rhyme suited to a mere beginner black sheep dwell in every fold said she all that glitters is not gold storks turn out to be but logs bulls are but inflated frogs the captain thought he could do as well as this but he considered that it was best to confine himself at present to quite easy rhymes so he said so they be uh, frequently buttercup resumed drops the wind and stops the mill turbot is ambitious brill gild the farthing if you will but it is a farthing still the captain replied yes i know that is so then beginning to feel his feet as the saying is he ventured into deeper water though to catch your drift i'm striving it is shady it is shady he repeated it is shady to give him time to think of the next rhyme though he pretended that the repetition was part of the structure of the verse i don't see at what you're driving mystic lady mystic lady having discovered that this sort of rhyming was much easier than it appeared at first sight to be he determined to show her that other people were just as smart as she was and if you come to that even a little bit smarter so he began though i'm anything but clever i could talk like that forever once a cat was killed with care only brave deserved the fare 
very true so they do said little buttercup mimicking his own way of replying to her the captain continued wink is often good as nod spoils the child who spares the rod thirsty lambs run foxy dangers dogs are found in many mangers here he paused to consider what he should say next and little buttercup to give him time said just as before frequently uh, i agree by this time the captain had thought of something more paw of cat the chestnut snatches worn-out garments show new patches men are grown-up catchy catches yes said little buttercup i know that is so then she sang under her breath so that nobody at all should hear her though to catch my drift he's striving i'll dissemble i'll dissemble when he sees at what i'm driving let him tremble let him tremble and muttering to herself in a fashion which might be described musically as a triumph of pianissimo she disappeared mysteriously into the forward part of the ship captain corcoran though very uneasy at her portentous utterances was rather disposed to pat himself on the back for having tackled her on her own ground in the matter of stringing rhymes and as he thought beaten her at it but in this he was wrong for if you compare her lines with his you will see that whereas her lines dealt exclusively with people and things who were not so important as they thought themselves to be his lines were merely chopped-up proverbs that had nothing to do with each other or with anything else still it wasn't bad for a first attempt and although we must give her the prize i think he deserves a highly commended now although sir joseph had gone to bed he was so worried about josephine that he couldn't get a wink of sleep so as it was a beautiful warm night and everybody as he supposed asleep he thought he would go on deck in his pyjamas and console himself with a cigar accordingly he went on deck but finding that the captain was in close conversation with a lady he very properly retired to his cabin to put on the beautiful and expensive uniform of a cabinet minister which he had worn during the day and which were the only clothes he had brought with him he had completed his toilette and returned to the deck just as captain corcoran was endeavouring to pat himself on the back for his cleverness in stringing rhymes with little buttercup what are you trying to do said sir joseph as he noticed that the captain had some difficulty in reaching the exact part of the back which he wished to pat can i help you uh, thank you sir joseph replied the captain i have a particular reason for wishing to pat myself between the shoulder blades and it's not easy to get at allow me captain corcoran and he obligingly patted him on the very spot thank you sir joseph that is capital said captain corcoran much relieved but i am sorry to see your lordship out of bed at this hour i hope your crib is comfortable pretty well said sir joseph who made it a rule never quite to approve of anything that was done for him the fact is i am worried about your daughter i am disappointed with her to tell the plain truth i don't think she'll do i'm sorry to hear that sir joseph replied the captain josephine is i am sure sensible of your condescension she naturally would be said sir joseph who was really too conceited for words perhaps your exalted rank dazzles her remarked captain corcoran 
here again we become conscious of that nasty irritating little blot on the good captain's character he attached so much importance to mere rank that i am afraid we must put him down as just a teeny weeny wee bit of a snob do you really think it does asked sir joseph well she is a modest girl and of course her social position is far below that of a cabinet minister possibly she feels that she is not worthy of you captain corcoran knew better than that but his natural kindness of heart would not allow him to tell sir joseph the plain truth that josephine looked upon him as a conceited donkey because he was afraid that being a touchy old gentleman he might not like that that is really a very sensible suggestion said sir joseph see said the captain here she comes if you would kindly reason with her and assure her officially that it is a standing rule at the admiralty that love levels all ranks her respect for an official utterance might induce her to look upon your offer in its proper light it is not unlikely said sir joseph and i am glad i am not wearing my pyjamas let us withdraw and watch our opportunity so they withdrew behind the mast as josephine stepped upon deck poor josephine was very uneasy and conscience-stricken at the unjustifiable step she was going to take that night as the moment for her flight approached she became more and more uncomfortable and as her cabin was hot and the night lovely she thought she would wait more comfortably on deck until the fatal moment for her departure naturally a good and honourable young lady she felt that she was doing an unpardonable thing in leaving her good papa secretly in order to marry a man of whom she knew that he disapproved in common fairness however it should be explained that it was the first time she had ever left her father in order to be secretly married to anybody and she resolved that after this once nothing on earth should ever induce her to do so again josephine had a neat literary turn and it was her practice to express in poetical form the various arguments for and against any important step that she contemplated taking she had amassed quite a large amount of these effusions which she was in the habit of singing on appropriate occasions to any airs that would fit them so finding herself quite alone as she supposed it occurred to her to sing in subdued tones a composition which had direct reference to her misguided affection for ralph this was the song the hours creep on apace my guilty heart is quaking oh that i might retrace the step that i am taking it's folly it were easy to be showing what am i giving up and whither going on the one hand papa's luxurious home hung with ancestral armour and old brasses carved oak and tapestry from distant rome rare blue and white venetian finger glasses rich oriental rugs and sofa pillows and everything that isn't old from gillows and on the other a dark dingy room in some back street with stuffy children crying where organs yell and clacking housewives fume and clothes are hanging out all day a-drying with one cracked looking-glass to see your face in and dinner served up in a pudding basin o oh, god of love and god of reason say which of you twain shall my poor heart obey 
but the two potentates so pathetically appealed to declined to undertake the responsibility of advising her i expect they both thought that she was quite old enough to judge for herself poor josephine was greatly distracted at the ugly prospect of love in a back street that she had conjured up for herself and her resolution began to waver the social difference between her and her chosen husband was so enormous and the discomforts that she would be obliged to endure in the humble surroundings that awaited her presented themselves to her mind so vividly that she had almost resolved that instead of eloping with rafe she would unpack her dressing-bag put her hair up in hind's curlers and go to bed like a good girl i regret to think that in contemplating this step she was influenced solely by the fact that if she married rave she would have to surrender all the luxury she was accustomed to and that remorse for being about to break the heart of her affectionate and indulgent father did not appear to influence her in the least i am very partial to josephine but i cannot regard her in the light of a thoroughly estimable young lady sir joseph endeavoured in vain to catch the words of josephine's song but she had been taught the italian method of singing which consists in la lying all the vowels and allowing the consonants to take care of themselves and consequently the words of her song were quite unintelligible to him indeed they might have been hebrew for anything he could tell so when she had finished he and captain corcoran approached her madam said he it has been represented to me that you are appalled by my exalted rank i desire to convey to you officially my deliberate assurance that if your hesitation is attributable to that circumstance it is unequivocally uncalled for it is a rule at the admiralty that when a person in authority has to make an announcement he is bound to use all the longest words he can find that will express his meaning oh indeed replied josephine then your lordship is of opinion that married happiness is not inconsistent with discrepancy in rank this was artful on josephine's part for if sir joseph agreed he would practically be admitting that there was no reason why josephine should not condescend to marry a common sailor if she had a mind to do so madam said sir joseph loftily i am officially of that opinion and he took a pinch of snuff with an air that suggested that he had finally settled the question once for all i thank you sir joseph she replied with a low curtsey i did hesitate but i will hesitate no longer and with another curtsey she retired to her own cabin muttering to herself he little thinks how successfully he has pleaded his rival's cause the captain who shared sir joseph's impression that josephine had made up her mind to accept him was overjoyed sir joseph said he i cannot express to you my joy at the happy result of your eloquence your argument was unanswerable captain corcoran replied sir joseph it is one of the happiest characteristics of this inexpressibly fortunate country that official replies to respectfully uttered interrogatories are invariably regarded as unanswerable and sir joseph having discharged this mouthful of long words withdrew to complete his night's rest captain corcoran could not conceal his exultation 
indeed there was no reason why he should as he was entirely alone he clasped his hands smiled broadly took a long breath of relief and had just begun to dance the hornpipe that sir joseph had taught him to see if he remembered the steps when he was interrupted by the unexpected appearance of poor deformed dick deadeye who approached him with the irregular jerky action of a triangle that is being trundled like a hoop captain whispered he i want a word with you and he placed his hand impressively on the captain's wrist deadeye said he you here don't ah don't shrink from me captain replied deadeye i'm unpleasant to look at and my name's agin me but i ain't as bad as i look what do you want with me at this time of night said captain corcoran deadeye looked round mysteriously to make quite sure they were unobserved i've come said he to give you warning indeed exclaimed the captain who was delighted to think that there was a chance of getting rid of deadeye without hurting his feelings do you propose to leave the navy then oh no no said deadeye i don't mean that listen the captain was disappointed but he listened nevertheless and in accordance with the standing rule that no one was ever to say anything to the captain that could be sung dick deadeye struck up as follows kind captain i've important information sing hey the kind commander that you are about a certain intimate relation sing hey the merry maiden and the tar the captain who had his book of rhymes handy consulted it for a moment and then replied good fellow in conundrums you are speaking sing hey the mystic sailor that you are the answer to them vainly i am seeking sing hey the merry maiden and the tar of course the captain was completely puzzled having no idea what deadeye was alluding to so dick explained kind captain your young lady is a-sighing sing hey the simple captain that you are this very night with rack-straw to be flying sing hey the merry maiden and the tar captain corcoran was dreadfully distressed at this piece of information but he pulled himself together with an effort and replied after a moment with his rhyming dictionary good fellow you have given timely warning sing hey the thoughtful sailor that you are i'll talk to master rextraw in the morning sing hey the cat o nine tails and the tar and so singing captain corcoran produced from his pocket a beautifully inlaid little presentation cat o nine tails and as he flourished it he brought it down accidentally but heavily on poor dick's back dick grateful for any attention pulled his forelock respectfully and trundled off into the forepart of the ship i ought to explain that the cat o nine tails is a cruel kind of whip with nine thongs which was at that time commonly used in the navy to punish badly behaved seamen but captain corcoran was much too humane a man to use it it happened to be in his pocket because it was a present from his dear old white-haired apple-cheeked grandmamma which had only arrived that day dick deadeye had warned the captain just in time for as dick crept off the captain saw a large body of the crew with rafe among them advancing on tiptoe towards the boats which were hanging from irons called davits in the ship's side 
and at the same time josephine came out of her cabin with her handbag in her hand and crept silently to where rafe was standing it was more than flesh and blood could stand and in the anger of the moment the captain exclaimed of oh, bother and brought the cat o' nine tails down on the breech of a gun which happened to be handy all the crew were dreadfully startled why what was that said bob buntlin one of the sailors who had not yet spoken it was only the cat said bill boom bill boom was perfectly right it was the cat as josephine met rafe and while the crew were mustering on the quarter-deck the captain glanced hastily through his rhyming dictionary and having found what he wanted revealed himself exclaiming hold much alarmed and greatly astonished to find their captain among them they all held captain corcoran advanced and seizing his daughter by the hand twirled her away from rafe rackstraw who looked like the apollo belvedere struck stupid naughty daughter of mine sang the captain i insist upon knowing where you may be going with the sons of the brine for my excellent crew though foes they could thump any are scarcely company for a lady like you rafe wasn't going to stand this he had been taught by the first lord of the admiralty that a british sailor is the finest fellow in the world and if you can't believe a first lord whom can you believe so pulling himself together he began haughty sir when you address poetry please said captain corcoran i allow no sailor to address me in prose rafe thought for a moment and then declaimed in the key of g proud officer that haughty lip uncurl the captain uncurled his haughty upper lip as desired vain man suppress that supercilious sneer he suppressed it at once for i have dared to love your matchless girl a fact well known to all my messmates here i humble poor lowly born the meanest in the port division the butt of epauletted scorn the mark of quarter-deck derision have dared to raise my wormy eyes above the dust to which you'd mould me in manhood's glorious pride to rise i am an englishman behold me and at once all the crew carried off their feet with enthusiasm shouted their own domestic national anthem led by the energetic mr bobstay he is an englishman for he himself hath said it and it's greatly to his credit that he is an englishman for he might have been a russian a french a turk or prussian or perhaps italian but in spite of all temptations to belong to other nations he remains an englishman and when they had finished all the crew wiped their eyes which were full of manly tears and shook hands with each other until their emotion had in some degree subsided indeed three or four of them were carried off in hysterics and had to be revived with eau de cologne a tub of which always stood in the forecastle speaking for myself i do not quite see that rafe rackstraw deserves so very much credit for remaining an englishman considering that no one seems ever to have proposed to him that he should be anything else but the crew thought otherwise and i dare say they were right captain corcoran hardly knew how to act for he so seldom got into a tearing rage that he didn't know what it was considered usual for a man in tearing rage to do 
he was anxious not to overdo it and at the same time he felt that it was necessary to let them know that a tearing rage was what he was in after some reflection and a glance at his dictionary he concluded that the best way was to depart from his usual calm correct way of speaking and horrify them by introducing some really unpardonable language so he exclaimed in uttering a reprobation to any british tar i try to speak with moderation but you have gone too far i'm very sorry to disparage a humble foremast lad but to seek your captain's child in marriage why hang it it's too bad yes hang it it's too bad i don't care i will say it and risk the consequences yes hang it it's too bad the crew were awestruck for they had never in all their experience of captain corcoran known him to forget himself as far as to use an expression of this description three times too not once but three times as if he revelled in his wickedness and what made the circumstances more impressive was that as their amazement and agitation subsided they saw the first lord of the admiralty standing apparently thunderstruck in their midst i am appalled said sir joseph as soon as he could control his tongue simply appalled there was no mistake about it he was quite white with the shock that the captain's language had given him he was no longer a first lord he was a monument of pathetic imbecility to your cabin sir said he trembling with emotion and consider yourself under the strictest arrest sir joseph said captain corcoran pray hear me to your cabin sir and a couple of marines marched him off under the command of the smallest midshipman in the ship sir joseph had by this time somewhat recovered his composure now tell me my fine fellow said he addressing ralph rackstraw how came your captain so far to forget himself please your honour said ralph pulling respectfully at his forelock it was thus wise you see i'm only a topman a mere foremast hand don't be ashamed of that said sir joseph a topman is necessarily at the top of everything this of course was not the case but sir joseph having been a solicitor did not know any better well your honour said ralph love burns as brightly on the forecastle as it does on the quarter-deck and josephine is the fairest bud that ever blossomed on the tree of a poor fellow's wildest hopes sir joseph could scarcely believe his ears are you referring to uh, uh, miss josephine corcoran gasped sir joseph that's the lady sir said ralph in fact here she is bless her little heart and josephine rushed into ralph's outstretched arms she's the figurehead of my ship of life the bright beacon that guides me into the port of happiness the rarest the purest gem that ever sparkled on a poor but worthy fellow's trusting brow the crew burst into tears at this lovely speech and sobbed heavily it had quite a different effect on sir joseph who forgetting all his dignity danced about the deck in a blind fury you you impertinent presumptiful disgracious audastical salmon kaler exclaimed sir joseph chopping up and transposing his letters and syllables in a perfectly ridiculous manner i'll teach you to loll in fov with your daptons cotter away with him to the barkus bungeon on dord 
of course he meant to say the darkest dungeon on board and would have said it if he'd had his temper under proper control josephine clung to ralph and declared that as he was to be shut up in a cell she would go with him but they were violently torn asunder and a pair of handcuffs having been placed on ralph's wrists by the sergeant of the marines he was taken away in custody at this point sir joseph became calm and coherent again and as for you miss corcoran he began but before he could say what he was going to say whatever it was little buttercup came forward and exclaimed hold why sir joseph asked not unnaturally because i have a tale to unfold she replied we are all attention said sir joseph proceed and little buttercup proceeded thus ah many years ago when i was young and charming as some of you may know i practised baby farming the crew were most interested in this piece of news and expecting that she was about to reveal something that would entirely alter the aspect of affairs they muttered to each other now this is most alarming when she was young and charming she practised baby farming ah many years ago little buttercup continued to tender babes i nussed one was of low condition the other upper crust a regular patrician again the crew said to each other by way of explaining how the case stood now this is the position one was of low condition the other a patrician ah many years ago this having been made quite clear to them little buttercup continued the story oh bitter is my cup how could i do it i mixed those children up and not a creature knew it this was quite an inexcusable piece of carelessness on the part of little buttercup if she had any doubt which was which she could so easily have tied a bit of blue ribbon round the neck of one and a luggage label round the neck of the other the sailors were surprised at this culpable neglect of duty and replied however could you do it some day no doubt you'll rue it although no creature knew it so many years ago little buttercup not heeding their interruption concluded her confession thus in time each little waif forsook his foster-mother the well-born babe was rafe your captain was the other again the crew explained the situation to each other that there might be no mistake about it they left their foster-mother the one was rafe our brother our captain was the other ah many years ago here was a pretty kettle of fish rafe was properly speaking a captain in the navy and captain corcoran was only a common sailor am i really to understand said sir joseph that during all these years each has been occupying the other's position that said little buttercup is the idea i intended to convey and you've done it very well said sir joseph and all the crew applauded so vigorously that little buttercup thought they wished to hear it all over again and had actually got so far as ah, many years ago when sir joseph interrupted her let them both appear before me at once said he and immediately a rafe appeared dressed in captain corcoran's uniform as a captain in the navy and captain corcoran in rafe's uniform as a man-o'-warsman this had been carefully arranged by little buttercup herself 
knowing that the time had come when it would be necessary that she should reveal her secret she had previously caused one of captain corcoran's uniforms to be conveyed to rafe's quarters and one of rafe's uniforms to be placed in captain corcoran's cabin with a note pinned to each bundle explaining the condition of affairs now we see what little buttercup meant when she sang those mysterious lines to captain corcoran about things being seldom what they seem skim milk masquerading as cream and so forth oh she was a knowing one i can tell you was little buttercup as corcoran no longer a captain stepped forward josephine rushed to him in amazement my father a common sailor she exclaimed yes said corcoran it is hard is it not my dear during this time rafe was too much occupied in trying to catch sight of the two epaulets which glistened on his shoulders to attend to anything else this said sir joseph is a very singular occurrence and as far as i know nothing of the kind has ever happened before i congratulate you both then turning towards captain rackstraw as we must now call him he said indicating corcoran desire that remarkably fine seaman to step forward corcoran said captain rackstraw three paces to the front march just as corcoran when he was a captain had said to rafe corcoran however knew his rights and wasn't going to stand being spoken to in this abrupt fashion if what said corcoran touching his cap i don't understand you said captain rackstraw haughtily if you please said corcoran with strong emphasis on the please perfectly right said sir joseph if you please oh, oh of course said captain rackstraw if you please and corcoran stepped forward and saluted like the smart man o warsman that he was you're an extremely fine fellow said sir joseph turning him round as he inspected him yes your honour said corcoran who was still too good a judge to contradict a first lord of the admiralty so observed sir joseph it seems that you were rafe and rafe was you so it seems your honour said corcoran with a respectful pull at his forelock well said sir joseph i need not tell you that after this change in your condition a marriage with your daughter will be out of the question don't say that your honour replied corcoran love levels all ranks you know sir joseph was rather taken aback by being confronted with his own words but having been a solicitor he was equal to the occasion it does to a considerable extent said sir joseph but it does not level them as much as that it does not annihilate the difference between a first lord of the admiralty and a common sailor though it may very well do so between a common sailor and his captain you know i see said corcoran that had not occurred to me captain rickstraw said sir joseph what is your opinion on that point i entirely agree with your lordship said rafe whose love for josephine overcame all other considerations if your lordship doesn't want her i'll take her with pleasure he said this because fine fellow as he was and deeply as he loved josephine he considered that it was his duty as an officer in the navy to give sir joseph the first choice then take her sir and mind you make her happy and captain rackstraw arranged with josephine that they would go on shore at once and be married at once fortunately the clergyman was still waiting for them although he had become rather impatient at the delay 
during this conversation corcoran had a word or two with buttercup who took that opportunity of revealing herself to him as one of the maidenly crew of the hot cross bun of twenty years ago he was greatly touched at the story of her faithful devotion to him and determined to repay it my lord said he to sir joseph i shall be quite alone when josephine marries and i should like a nice little wife to sew buttons on my shirt and mend my socks by all means said sir joseph can you suggest anybody corcoran presented blushing little buttercup to sir joseph who gave her sixpence on the spot as a wedding present little buttercup was so touched by sir joseph's liberality that she burst into tears corcoran overjoyed at once broke into song adapting on the spur of the moment the well-known and familiar words with which he used to greet his crew every morning thus i was the captain of the pinafore and all the crew chorused and a right good captain too corcoran and though before my fall i commanded of you all i'm a member of the crew i shall marry with a wife in my humble rank of life and you my own are she indicating little buttercup i must wander to and fro but wherever i may go i shall never be unkind to thee and the crew sang rather slyly what never replied he no never the crew more slyly still what never and the captain whose experience of his former wife had taught him that even the most amiable married people will fall out occasionally replied hardly ever hardly ever be unkind to thee and they all sang then give three cheers and one cheer more for the hardy seaman of the pinafore for he is an englishman and he himself hath said it and it's greatly to his credit that he is an englishman for he might have been a russian a french or turk or prussian or perhaps italian but in spite of all temptations to belong to other nations he remains an englishman in short there were general rejoicings all around lemon ice shoulders of mutton ginger beer and meringues a la creme were served out in profusion and sir joseph who happened to know a number of surprising conjuring tricks brought a rabbit smothered in onions out of his left boot to the intense delight of the crew all the sisters and cousins and aunts of sir joseph tumbled out of bed as soon as they heard the news and came on deck after a hasty toilette a general dance followed in which ralph and josephine particularly distinguished themselves and then they all went on shore that the clergyman who had nearly grown tired of waiting and wanted to go home to his breakfast bacon might join the happy couple in matrimony corcoran was married at the same time to little buttercup and captain rackstraw most kindly gave him a week's leave that he and his wife might go and enjoy some sea-bathing at ventnor captain rackstraw proved to be a most excellent commander and was just as much beloved as captain corcoran had been while corcoran took up ralph's duties with enthusiasm and became one of the smartest top men on board it is an excellent test of a man's character when he resigns himself with cheerfulness to a sudden change from dignified affluence to obscure penury and i can't help thinking that on the whole he was a very fine fellow but still i do wish he had not made that very unfortunate remark about being related to a peer End of chapter four
End of The Pinafore Picture Book, The Story of H.M.S. Pinafore by W.S. Gilbert.